This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 402. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 402. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Talkspace. For $100 off your first month of therapy with Talkspace, go to Talkspace.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS. This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Download this five-star rated mobile puzzle game either in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's a free download. All you have to do is search for Best Fiends. That's Fiends, F-I-E-N-D-S, friends without the R. Dana Paik is a Seattle-based shameless mom to her two daughters, Ellie and Holland. A recovering people pleaser and perfectionist, she is a work in progress learning to savor the presence and the impermanence of life with lighthearted flexibility. She's a lot like you, working every day to be the best version of herself while simultaneously breaking the mold of her roles as a wife, mom, daughter, sister, and employee. Everyone has a story. Hers is punctuated by turning hardships into gifts from her parents' divorce, living on her own since she was a senior in high school, weathering her father's suicide at the age of 19, outrunning Hurricane Maria, and helping her husband through a difficult health episode. Dana has learned to metabolize hardship for inward and upward growth. 
When she's not spending her days creating in-real-life moments and human interactions that matter at events as an experienced designer, you can find her planning her next trips to parts unknown, whether she's exploring new corners of the world with her family or discovering new versions of herself. Listen in to hear Dana share the impact of her parents' divorce and how she became a parental figure to her sister at the age of eight. The impact of losing her father to suicide at age 19. How she and her family narrowly escaped Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and set off on a year-long nomadic adventure with her husband and two young daughters. How she's used work to hide, escape, and avoid pain, grief, and growth, and how it's caught up with her. Her family motto, embrace the detours. The power of the victim mentality versus the player mentality and how owning her resilience informs her personal and professional decisions today. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Dana is a really good friend of mine. We went to college together. We've gotten to be even better friends since college. I adore this woman to bits, and I cannot wait to introduce you to her. So welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy, my dear, dear friend, Dana Paik. Dana Paik, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Sarah, I have been like the biggest fangirl of the show ever since you started. So I'm pretty stoked to be here and really quite humbled. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's going to be fun. This is going to be so good. I have to tell everyone, I have to give everyone like the behind the scenes. So Dana and I have been friends since college and we got to know each other better after college. Actually, we both ended up back in Seattle. But when I started the podcast, you were one of the people who was like texting me. I had no expectations that my friends would actually listen. And you were routinely texting me like, oh, my gosh, that episode was so good. And I was like, oh, my friends actually want to listen. This is so, uh, I yeah, felt so privileged. You company for me on drives or on my walks. And it really felt like I didn't, you know, we live, gosh, what, Sarah, 10 minutes oh, from each other, so but close. see each other a handful of times a year. Yeah. But it was my way of like having a little coffee or wine date with you <laughs> in between moments when I could escape. So fun. So fun. But I love congratulations it. Congratulations to you. I'm just so proud of you and like what you're doing for this community of women. It's just truly amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I don't have many friends on the show. And not that I wouldn't, but <laughs> not that I don't have awesome friends. But it's funny because I'm always looking for people's stories and just things that make women stand out in different places in terms of power and strength and resiliency and all these things. And I have kind of been like, I've had Dana on my back burner for a while, but she didn't know it. And I was like, I need to like, I know enough of her story to know that she would be a great guest, but I got to figure out a way to like make her know that she'd be a great guest. So this conversation started a little while ago with me being like, would you maybe be interested? And so I just have to thank you for being open to this because I know this is not like what you do professionally at all, but I know that you also have a powerful story and you've been through a lot. And I think that you are able to weave together the pieces of your life that make you strong and powerful in a really cool way. So I'm excited to dig into all that. Yeah, I'm happy to share it, especially because all of us do have a story. And if there's something that I can impart about how I've moved through some of those harder moments in my life to help someone out, it's an honor for me to share that. Yay. Awesome. Okay. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh, so right now, man, I'm going into the new decade with a whole new outlook on life. <laughs> so for the past, golly, 25 years, I've always worked for someone. And what I'm most excited about right now is that I'm going out on my own. I'm going to go be my own boss. Yay! And yeah, and a lot of that is really driven by 
claiming my own time and being really intentional about how I want to spend it and who I want to spend it with. And that, you know, for so long, I've really worked to live, you know, or opposite of that, I was living to work instead of working to live. And finally, you know, I just turned 44 a couple of months ago. And I was talking to my husband about it, that it's, I don't see it as a midlife crisis, but this like midlife awakening. Mm. Like I just woke the F up to my life. And what do I want the back half of it to look like? Because I don't want it to look like how I've been spending it the first half in a lot of ways. Like the first half of my life has been really great in a lot of ways, but I was making decisions, but kind of for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to dig into that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about your story and how your story's influenced who you've become professionally and as a partner and a parent and take us kind of through some of the big pieces of that. Yeah, there's been a lot. (laughs) I feel like I should tell before you go into this, I'm totally cutting you off and because you're a friend. Yeah. (laughs) So we actually have another mutual friend, our good friend, Katie, and the three of us would try to get together for dinner. This is after college, a few years after college, and we would try to get together for dinner every once in a while. And every time we would try to get together, something would come up with you. And it was always like, how did these things happen? Like, they were always really big, huge emergent things that would happen and reasons that you couldn't meet us for dinner. And we were like, we would think that she was trying to avoid us if we, because how can all of these crazy things happen to one person? So that's like, that's where we're going with this, just for the listeners to know that you've been through a lot of things. And also there's been this like common thread of resiliency. So I'm gonna let you pick now what parts you want to share. Yeah. I'll pick the like really poignant ones. And I think the the first of it that started the trajectory of teaching me resiliency was my folks divorced when I was eight. That's not uncommon for a lot of people. I know what was a little bit different about that story is my mom depended a lot on my dad and she then needed to work and work for her was working the graveyard shift. So at eight, my little sister and I, who's four years younger than me, were left home alone in the evenings and home alone a lot. So at that age, when my dad took off, I became in many ways the parent. And that started my life as a caregiver. I don't know if that's the moment to, I know you've talked about the Enneagram before, Sarah. I am a two in the Enneagram Mm. and a helper. Uh, Uh, Oh my gosh, such a helper. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's when that started. So after that, there were a series of moments when we just didn't have a lot of money to keep the lights on. I had, you know, plenty of love and support from my extended family who made sure we were cared for and we had food and like people at school had no idea like really how tough things got. And so I don't want to make it sound like we were destitute, but certainly there were uncertain times. And because of that, I spent a lot of my childhood resenting my little sister. I mean, I was just awful to her. And in my 20s, I found the the words and the language or the understanding that it was my parents who put me in a really awful position and not my sister. And she was as much of a victim of that as I was. You know, it's funny now that I was a caretaker to her physically. She is now my caretaker when it comes to my healing but I digress. So those were some of the, the moments in my childhood. When I got to high school, my mom finally got this really great job offer. Before that, she was working like just odds and ends jobs. My dad just like couldn't figure out how to fork over $250 a month for child support. So that's what we were dealing with. But then my mom got this job opportunity to move to California. And I was going into my senior year of high school. And I'm like, no way in hell I'm moving 
to California. And my other option was to move in with my grandmother, which was what my sister was doing, but she was really strict and my mom wasn't strict. And I kind of like did my own thing as a you know, caretaker of the house. So then I asked my dad if I can move in with him and he had remarried and he has two kids. And my stepmom just said I didn't fit the li- their lifestyle and like I could not move in. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to turn 18 in October. How about you finally pay that child support to me and I'm going to live on my own. So I did that as a senior in high school and worked whatever the maximum hours I could as a kid and had him finally divert that $250 a month to me. So I end up putting myself through college. I go to Willamette before I met you at Gonzaga, Sarah, and I hated it and I dropped out and I could drop out because... I wasn't accountable to anybody but myself. My parents didn't help me pay for school. And the interesting thing about that is when I was home for that year, that summer after I had dropped out, probably the most defining moment of my life happened. I was 19 and my dad had committed suicide. And it was just a total shock. He just I remember there was a kid in high school who had committed suicide and I was talking to my dad about it and he was like that's just never an option and here it was his option so that I still you know he's been gone 25 years now almost and uh still learning to live with that grief and what that means for me was this after your first year at Willamette so I was a freshman in college I left Willamette I had he died in July and I at that point decided to go to Gonzaga I was okay um, so you were in that like 19, you were 19 ish years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, prior to that, didn't really see my dad a lot. You know, it's funny. I shared the story about when I lived alone in high school and during that period, I saw more than I did ever in my life after the divorce. Like I think, I think guilt crept up and he was just showing up with groceries and, Oh, do you need anything fixing? Yeah. So I had more time with him before he left and there, we had some, special moments. Like I was an overachiever in high school and well, still, what am I talking about? But but the motivation for that was, I know I was kind of sticking it to my dad. I could have gone one of two ways, right? Like I could have, it would have been almost justifiable if I were drinking and doing a lot of drugs in college or whatever. But for me, I wanted him to see like, oh no, I can achieve. And you had nothing to do with this. Mom and I and Kat are totally fine without you. But, you know, the irony of it is he had everything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's so relatable to me. But go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was a big poignant moment. And then, you know, there were a lot of good moments in between there. I met, I met my husband. I got married. I've been married now 15 years, which is amazing. We had two kids and, and life's good. And then I got this job that was amazing. It's a fully distributed workforce, meaning we don't have a headquarters. So you could literally live and work wherever in the world you want to. And my, oops, sorry, my kids are at an age where we could pull them out of school without like tearing their social fabric. And we decided, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if we went and lived somewhere on the beach? And we researched a lot, became like international house hunters junkies. (laughs) And we decided on Puerto Rico, not necessarily because of Puerto Rico, but because it was in a great geographic location. So at the time I had a team in Europe, a team on the East Coast and a team on the West Coast. So for work, it was great. Practically speaking, the currency is the same. We didn't need a visa. I didn't have to change my cell phone. So we were like, all right, let's go. And we were going sight unseen. 
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So we decided to get a Airbnb and then decide once we were there for a month where we wanted to go. So And during enough, this time, my family was like... Dana and her family are the coolest. <laughs> we were in awe. We were like, this is amazing. Really cool people do this kind of thing. We do not do this kind of thing. But we were like, we're going to come visit while you do that cool thing. But that sounds scary and hard. <laughs> so Yeah, well, the, it wasn't only about, you know, I guess this is an important part to share too, about taking advantage of the fact that I could live and work wherever I wanted. It was also my kids were getting at that age where they were comparing themselves to other kids. Like, 
oh, well, mama, so-and-so's mom doesn't work, or so-and-so has such a big house, or so-and-so has a TV in their car, all these things, yeah? And it was really important to Brian and I that we modeled and demonstrated to the children that, you know, life's about collecting experiences and not things. And this experience was going to allow us to do just that. And there were different ways of finding happiness and living outside of Seattle, you know, So we were meant to go in September and Thursday night before we were supposed to go, my dear friend Marcus got our family a night at the Four Seasons for a fancy last night in Seattle. And Brian starts looking at, he's getting messages from his parents and we're watching the weather and we're like, oh, holy cow, this thing, Hurricane Irma is coming. And funny enough, Sarah, I see you on social media and you're off to some European vacation and I'm (laughs) your house you need a house sitter we yes we were like we were at the airport about to leave for europe and i was in the security line and you were like can we come stay at your house until this hurricane passes because like you said you were at a hotel you had left your house and you had nowhere to go and we were <laughs> so it was this frantic mad dash before we boarded the plane to europe like yes oh. go to our house you can stay as long as you want the power of social media. Yeah. So between you and my other friend, Amy, we were really lucky. We waited it out two weeks and we thought, gosh, we totally dodged a bullet. So we get on the plane and we go and we land in Puerto Rico four days before Hurricane Maria. And I could take the whole show talking about that experience. (laughs) And for those who don't remember, Hurricane Maria was the big one that like Puerto Rico still has not fully recovered from. Yeah, I mean, if you remember Hurricane Katrina, it's that and yeah. then some. Yeah. And for an island that had no infrastructure to sustain, like, getting on its feet quickly. So by sheer determination and, you know, the partnership with Brian and, like, let's be really clear, our privilege that we had the resources, we got off on one of the last flights off Puerto Rico before that hurricane hit. And we talked to the children about, like, should we move back home or what do we want to do? And they were like, heck no, we haven't gone on our adventure yet. And I think one of the things I want to share about that story is, again, I could take the whole show talking about that experience. But while we were trying to get off the island, we were also trying to figure out what will happen if we don't get off. And Mm -hmm. the kids were so like, they could just pick up on that something was going on. And we didn't tell them like the gravity of the full situation, but they knew something serious was happening. And I tried very hard, both Brian and I, to not let our emotions show in front of them. But when we finally got on that flight and it took off, all my emotions came out. It was just just sweet relief. Uh, But also my heart was with the people who were left on the island. And those beautiful people were so gracious in helping us get off. But Eliana, at the time, my daughter was eight, and she grabs my hand and looks at me and she like, it's okay, mama, what are you going to do? Life's life. We're just on a new adventure now. I remember Uh, watching you navigate this, watching you navigate this predominantly. Well, we were texting, but also on social media. I was like, this would crush my spirit. (laughs) And, and, and you guys just kept going like you just, and then, so yeah, I'll let you continue with the story, but it was just really interesting to watch. And it, it made me question, like, what would I do in that situation? And could I sustain it? And could my marriage sustain it? 
And yeah, well, it brought it. I think of anything, it really strengthened our marriage. Like we saw how powerful we were as partners. Like we did this together. We got through this together. And not only did we get through it, but we learned from it. So the kids didn't want to come back home. This episode is supported by Talkspace. Talkspace is a modern approach to therapy. Talkspace allows you to do therapy on the go. So Talkspace is going to let you reach out and connect with a therapist whenever you need to on your mobile device. So you can use texting, you can use video messaging. Talkspace really takes all the barriers of needing to find childcare, needing to find parking, needing to set that appointment time, all that stuff, they take that right out of your way. So when you decide that you need some support, you need an unbiased person in your life, you need to talk some things through, maybe this is just for you to get a clearer vision of something, maybe it is for you to work through a really hard, difficult time in your life. Maybe it's for you to finally process some sort of trauma that just seems to be haunting you and you feel like you can't move on. Talkspace has your back. So when you reach out to Talkspace, you're going to be able to simply communicate your preferences for therapy from the privacy of your device. You're going to go ahead and go in, let them know what you're looking for, and they will match you with one of over 5,000 therapists who can meet your needs. They have therapists with over 40 different specialties. So they're going to find someone who can really assist you in the unique unique thing that you're looking for. Once you're matched with a therapist, you can begin messaging your therapist that very day. So Talkspace is affordable. It's cheaper than regular therapy. It's cheaper than the person therapy model. In fact, Talkspace gives you a month of anytime access for the price of about one in-person therapy session. You get a whole entire month, which is awesome. Also, like I said, their people are top notch. Their therapists are top notch. They are licensed therapists with many, many specialties from depression and anxiety to substance abuse and trauma, all the things that you might need someone to lean on for. We all need help navigating life's ups and downs and Talkspace offers the support that you need at an affordable price. My listeners get $100 off their first month when you use the code shameless at Talkspace.com. So match with a therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy at Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use the code shameless to get $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com code shameless. And you didn't have a house in Seattle. So coming back home to see, it, it wasn't like you had a house to come home to. You had given up your house that you had been renting. So you really had nowhere to go. And you were making a decision based on that. I want to make sure that people aren't like, why don't they just move home? Because <laughs> that yeah. wasn't a choice. Yeah, there was a choice to come back to Seattle and just root ourselves here again. And we ended up wintering in Arizona, not a bad place to spend the winter, and reevaluating what we wanted to do. And Brian, my husband, was so brilliant about he just designed this itinerary where we decided to crisscross the country and follow the sun. And so to the point, my husband also homeschooled the children and I would literally be working in the car on the road that we figured there was no better education than travel. And we got to see 38 states and living a nomadic lifestyle. And it was amazing. So that was like a little over two years ago, which is crazy to say aloud. And then most recently, another poignant moment is earlier this year, gosh, it's crazy. That's almost been a year ago. In January of 2019, my husband had thoracic surgery that we knew was going to be heavy, but we didn't know. We weren't prepared for what happened after. And he's almost completely healed now. Well, he's better. I wouldn't say completely healed, but it was really, really trying because I I had a really intense job. I'm an event event planner. So travel a ton, worked for a technology company, just really fast paced, high pressure. 
And my mom, who just lives like five minutes away, has always been our secondary care provider when Brian had some work to do or just wasn't available. And in the midst of my husband's recovery from surgery, my mom had her own health scare. And so I was left holding a load. And at one point in the emergency room with both of them for different reasons. I remember you telling me this story. (laughs) Yeah, I like was, hey, Swedish hospital, do you have a punch card for frequent visitors? (laughs) Because no joke, I was in there, it felt like once a week with one of them. Yeah, and that brought me to my knees. And I think of all the hardships that I just took everyone through, this one was the hardest. And, you know, without going into too much detail, it was because I couldn't protect my kids from it. Mm. Up until this point, I mean, Puerto Rico, they were there, of course, but like, it was just a different spirit, because we actually didn't experience Mm -hmm. the the real trauma. And you and you and Brian were both strong and able bodied. So you could like show up in this united front. Totally. And make it look like everything. You could fake it if you needed to. That's very different than a partner who is not physically capable and can't fake it. Yeah. And he is their king, yeah. you know, and he was down and that was hard for them. And he was in so much pain. He just wasn't himself. And I think I shared with you, I don't think I would have been able to get through this season this year had I not gone through all of those other things. Right. But my aunt, I think this is a really poignant thing to share too. My aunt had shared with me when I was talking to her about how hard this was because I couldn't protect the children from it. She's like, you know, you can't protect your kids from everything. And when your dad died, I'd felt the same thing for you and your sister. She doesn't have kids and she's very much involved in our lives. And the thing is, life is going to throw these curveballs all the time. And these are moments to teach your kids resiliency. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with this, there's this definite thread of resiliency. And so when we met up a couple months ago for dinner, and I was like, I see this in you, like, I see this like constant resilience. And I'm curious at what point you started to own that. And how owning that has shifted things for you. You know, I think it was only within the last few years, Sarah, that I've really learned to truly understand what resiliency is. And if I hadn't, like I said, if I hadn't gone through those other hardships and taken away lessons about how to trust myself, that I can do heavy things. So I guess like since a young age, I've been full of grit and determination. Like it's always been about putting one foot in front of the other. I just need to figure out how to solve the problem so that I can survive. But there's a difference between survival and resiliency. I yeah, think. Yeah. So I think for a long time, I've been surviving, but not thriving. And the key difference for me is resilience is like, it's like being open to exploring what's possible, understanding that there's this equifinality and how we get to a certain destination in life. Mm-hmm. And just like opening up the channels of positivity and being open to the outcome. And what do I have to learn through this process? My sister calls it hanging on to hindsight, Mm. which I love, like, in the middle of this mess. And you don't know what the message is, but you have to just have faith that this is serving me in some way. Right. I love that. And when I think about like, my grit and determination and survival, that's really more of the coping mechanism. 
right? And I don't really know that that's the resilient part because I can be healthy or not healthy. And some of my unhealthy coping mechanisms has really been to throw myself into work as a numbing agent or like an avoidance of like the shit I really need to be dealing with. And that's like legit, right? Like I'm busy, I'm working, I can't deal with that. But that also was, I needed to cope and my coping mechanism was work. That's how it got me through one stage to the next. Mm -hmm. Do you think achievement is also part of how you cope? I think achievement is how I find value. My sister's like, hello, that is codependency. I have this limiting belief around I need to feel needed to be valued. Yeah, yeah. To be valued, I need to achieve and, you know, get those add a girl pat on the backs. Yeah, that your identity, yeah, your identity is wrapped up in your achievements. Totally. I'm saying this because I relate. (laughs) Not like pointing my finger at you. Uh, yeah, no, 100%. Achievement is also coping. Yeah, yeah. So you created a life motto out of all your storms. What's your motto? And how has it given you power? Yeah, we came out of what happened in Puerto Rico. You know, we had this plan for two years, we were going to live on this beautiful island on the beach. And we got a taste of it. And that didn't work out. And so we adopted this motto as a family that we embrace the detours. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And it's just having faith that when you reach a tough situation or you reach an outcome that wasn't really what it intended, there's some kind of gift in there. Like we didn't set out when we were like, hey, let's collect experiences or things. Even thinking about the possibility of crisscrossing across the country in our little Subaru, not in a tiny house or uh, an (laughs) RV, but I couldn't have imagined a better 10 months on the road with my kids and my husband. Right. And I have to say when you got that, so of course I was stalking this all on social media and it looked so awesome. And I was thinking, I'm like, I'm failing my child because I'm not doing this because the, like you said, the level of education you can get and travel for your kids and the things that you and Brian had them doing on a daily basis in terms of amazing learning opportunities all over the country was just like mind blowing. But then I remember you got back and we got together and you were like, let me just tell you about some of those calls I took, like sitting on the side of the road in the Subaru with the family, like standing outside of the car so that I can take a work call. (laughs) So there's these like two very different sides of what this life looks like. A hundred percent. Well, like the gram only, only shows you so much. I think the (laughs) other part that's important to share about that, like when my dad died, you know, my family, I was supposed to go to Gonzaga. They were like, Hey, you just need to stay. We don't think you're like mentally ready to go. And they made me go see this counselor and 19 year old, like raw with my grief, me goes to this counselor and was like, Oh, so your dad committed suicide. Oh no, your mom, your sister, your best friend. No, then don't sit there lady and tell me, you know what I feel right now. Cause you oh have no freaking idea. Yeah. And I got up and walked out. And my sister at the time, who was an old soul, is a was 16. And she's like, here's the thing, Dane, like, that sucked. That really sucked. But now when sucky things happen, it ain't gonna be as hard as we think, because we survived this. Yes. Yeah. And that was a gift at the time, like, and that got me through a lot of hard times. And so again, I don't want to be Pollyanna about like embracing the detours, like what I didn't do for a big chunk of my life that I wish I had done earlier was let myself feel those sucky times. 
Yeah. So I would get into a situation after he died. I'm like, you know what? Put on your big girl pants. This is not a big deal. Who are you to feel sorry for yourself? So, so many people have it worse off than you. Like, get over it. Move on. And what happened was all of that started to just compound upon itself to the point, like after the season with my husband, the gift in that was that I got a leave of absence from work. And, you know, you're a mom. A lot of your Mm -hmm. listeners are moms. When you're on maternity leave, that's no break. (laughs) Uh, And that was the only break I have had from work since I was, you know, 12. And I got this time off to really reflect and be mindful of, you got to just own when the stuff sucks. Yeah. But don't marinate in it. You know, like, okay, I'm going to feel it. And now I just got to move on. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And I think that it absolutely. So when we emotionally bypass events, which I'm someone who can easily do that too, and just be like, be stronger, be better. You're fine. Move on, deal with it later. All those things. Or, or to your point, other people have it far worse. Like who am I to sit and whine about this one little thing? And when we do that, I think there is definitely a compounding effect in terms of how it shows up later. And you mentioned that for you, burying yourself in work and achievement has been one of the ways that when you bury things that you start showing up or you are pushing yourself to achieve. Can you talk about other ways that this has shown up for you or how the role of your work has really been so central in all of this? Work's been a form of escape, right? Yeah. And maybe if you want to also touch on, I know that there's been conversations with your husband who isn't as achievement oriented as you like to move up in a corporation is not his life's dream at all. And he's achievement oriented, but in very, very different ways. And so like professional accolades in the corporate world are not his jam. So what is that dynamic like as well? I think, you know, in our marriage, it's, you know, become a focal point because when I've thrown myself so much into the work and he's like, people don't work like you. This is not mm-hmm. normal. And yeah. even though he's not from corporate work, I mean, he's on the outside seeing how unhealthy my habits were. And he's like, you're working as hard as if you owned this company. You right. don't. Right. And, you know, he is just such a healthy reminder of all of the moments I'm missing with my children. 
right? And what the irony here, so I, I work in events and I work in events because I care deeply about human connection and creating like these inspiring environments and experiences for human connection to happen. But the way I was so like knee deep or like over my head in my work, really, I was never truly present in my life, whether that was professional which sounds weird, but I mean, I was there with the work, but not connecting and present with the people or certainly not present with my family. I was there often going through the motions, but not really absorbing the life that was going on. But around like me. writing an email in your head while you were reading to your child. Oh yeah. Or being in a conversation. Yes. A hundred percent. Or being in a conversation with someone and realizing, oh gosh, they said today is December 12th. Eliana has a game today. Did I do the laundry? And like, like eight, steps ahead and then like I'm sorry what'd you just say you know yeah, like yeah yeah my mind just was going on overdrive I did not know how to rest and you know I had business coaches tell me hey, high performers rest I'm like what does that mean like mm -hmm. I don't but I get it now and it got to a point where my health became an issue so before I got on this leave I had this like constant vice on my heart I gained a bunch of weight I had migraines every day like it's starting to manifest it in your body I have these weird lipomas like as a kid I had one I have like a hundred now mm. with no explanation but I don't know it's stress yeah yeah <laughs> so work has been a sanctuary but it's also been a contributor to some negative aspects of my life yeah yeah how are you letting yourself feel more and bury less these days and where do you see this new outlook taking you or this new practice you know, I think it's still something I am, a muscle I'm building, but I think it just starts with awareness. So sometimes I'll dive deep into a project and I just have to stop and ask myself, what is my intention right now? Because sometimes, you know, when you love what you do, you can get lost in it and it's just, it's fun. You're in that state of flow. Things are humming, right? Am I doing it because it's fulfilling me or what am I avoiding right now? What am I hiding behind the work right now that I don't want to deal with? Can you typically identify what you're not wanting to deal with? Uh, as of late, yeah. Okay. I think it's because I'm like super attuned. Sometimes, no. I mean, it took, God, love therapy. You know, it took a therapist to help me see that I'm a workaholic, right? And I don't mean that lightly. Like some people turn to drugs or drinking or gambling, my vice is work. It's a great question. Sometimes no, as of late, because I'm so hyper aware right now, and I've had time to just sit in the quiet. Mm -hmm. It is more clear. But you know, I also haven't been working for a few months. So. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're getting ready to go out and build your own thing. So how do you feel about building something that's your own. And to Brian's point, now you will be the owner of the company. And if for someone who's always been a high achiever in other people's organizations, what are your thoughts around like necessary boundaries and what that can look like? Yeah. And how you want to build something in a conscientious way that serves your lifestyle? Yeah, I think I'll have to be a lot more intentional with that. But I think that I have the power to set those boundaries where I felt like before that was a little bit harder. So, you know, a lot of my time leaving this employer was mental gymnastics of how I was going to play office politics, right? And that's like, let's call that 60% of my day. <laughs> 
And then maybe another 15%. And I really loved leading my team. I loved that. I loved seeing them reach their potential and do hard things and seeing them achieve. But man, that's exhausting. And because I'm a two, it was harder for me to instill that boundary of giving everything I had to them. And then when I got home, there was nothing left in the tank, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's going to be a challenge for me. It's something that I'm going to have to be totally aware of, but like I'll be spending my time on the things that I want to be spending on that I think because of that, there will be more time, if yeah. that makes sense. Because yeah. I'm not spending 75% of my day on meetings right. instead of creating and doing the thing that I want to do. This episode is supported by Best Fiends. If you are looking for a fun, casual game that you can play on your phone anytime, anywhere, with or without internet access, Best Fiends is for you. I've been playing Best Fiends for a few months now. I have to say when they first came on as a sponsor, I was encouraged to test out the game and try out a few levels. And some of you have heard me talk about this. It's gone beyond a few levels. I'm like past level 200 now. I'm loving this game. I use it when I have pockets of time where I just want to like chill out, zen out, have a little minute to myself and let my mind wander or be free. I use it when I travel on the plane. I use it in those minutes. There's sometimes like 10 minutes when Vince is putting Vinny to bed and the kitchen is cleaned up and I'm like, oh, I can just sit here for like 10 minutes and I'll pull out Best Fiends and then wait for Vince to come downstairs because then we usually watch a show together and I pull out Best Fiends. I'm like, oh, maybe I can like knock out a level real quick. And so it's just my like sometimes my way to transition between different parts of the day to go from like my work and mom mode into like now I'm just going into my relax mode. So I've been loving it. I think it's super, super fun. You can download the app for free. So I've gone through my 200 levels just playing the free version of the game and there's some strategy to it, which I love, which keeps my brain engaged and helps me really feel like I am able to relax and enjoy myself, but also like be still using my brain a little bit. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and all their cute little characters over at this five-star rated app that has over 100 million downloads. Go to Best Fiends in your Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. F-I-E-N-D-S. Right. One of the really cool things that in our last conversation together we were talking about was, and I think this is common when people want to do their own thing, is they think, well, I want to go build my own thing, but I don't know if I'm qualified or if I have the right connections, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the cool things that's happened for you is that you've had multiple people, you've built this really massive network in working in multiple companies over the years and building a really great reputation for yourself. And I think this one of the gifts that have come your way is that people have reached out to say like, hey, if you would be open to consulting, we would love to have you help on this. Or do you have any input on this? What are your opinions on this? Do you have any time? Like, can I pick your brain? And I think that people have reached out to you as a resource and you have really leaned into like, oh, wait, that means that I can go out. I have the connections I need to go build something or I have the expertise or the experience to be qualified to go build something. And I think that a lot of women don't see that in themselves. And so they don't go out and create their own thing and they don't go build their own thing. Do you have any thoughts around being conscientious around feeling like this is the time to go do it? And have you, did you feel held back from that previously? Oh, sure. I mean, I think that I have been in corporate work and technology specifically for so long because I had like this false sense of security there. And especially now with my husband's health condition that, oh, you know, healthcare is a thing and it's really expensive. (laughs) Yes. 
I, you know, I didn't think about, I was coming from a scarcity mindset and I didn't think that I could possibly make enough to cover that and then some, and that I felt like maybe I had to work part-time. It, like it, it could be a hybrid of something. I didn't have to just rip the bandaid off and dive head first. But a business coach said to me, and you know, I invite your listeners to think about this too, that the corporation wasn't my safety net. I'm my own safety net. And that all of those experiences and relationships I have will serve me now. And it's so funny with like, when I put that intention out there, and I just manifested this to happen within minutes, I joke you not within minutes, I talked to a girlfriend I used to work with at this company, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it, it's happening. 15 minutes later, she calls me, and she's like, you're never gonna believe so and so actually needs some help. Are you ready? And then a boss I had from 10 years ago, linked in me out of the blue and was like, hey, I'm looking for some help. Do you know anybody? Right. Yes, because you made space for your future. And well, there's people listening to this right now that are completely rolling their eyes. They're like, oh my yep, God, she manifested yep. it. But this is literally how it happens. And because you did it in a conscientious way, feeling confident around, because I don't think you can manifest something when you feel like, when you have a lack of confidence around something, but when you can look at like, oh wait, here's like 40 contacts that I could reach out to and ask for work, or here's 20 people that like owe me a favor, or here's, you know, 10 people who could use my services that I've never even met, but I know I could help them and I could lead with my experience and my, you know, my, my portfolio or resume. And when you feel a lot of power around that, then the opportunities do truly open themselves up to you. Couldn't have said it better. And, you know, I think the other part of that too is, to reframe instead of, I think for a long time, I'm like, oh God, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. Right? Like I don't get enough clients. We made a conscientious choice in our marriage that Brian would put his career on hold to be the primary caregiver and I would be the primary breadwinner. Which we so didn't even talk about that part yet, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> but, uh, so that was a lot of pressure. What happened? I got to take care of my family. I'm certainly trying to protect like the, we don't have enough money to put the lights on. You know, I'm right. operating from fear like that, but to reframe and go, man, what's the best thing that could happen? Yeah. You know, and that's, and because the other part of that is too, like the best thing that could happen is that this takes off. I make more than I did. Yeah. My time is my own. I actually work less, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in the back of my head, I know that I have all this experience in corporate work that, well, shit, I'll just go back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you I know? can, you can always apply not, for a job tomorrow. It's not this fatalistic ending that I'm leaving. Right, right. Yeah. So I had my Tenacious Mamas, this is my business and leadership mastermind group. I had them do an activity when we were on a retreat in October together, where I had them write down all of their like biggest life accomplishments or times that they've practiced courage and gotten through something really hard. And so they took some time to do that. They brainstormed, mapped it out in whatever way felt good to them on like the big post-it notes on the wall and everything. So people went through it. Everyone's crying. It was <laughs> very powerful. And then we looked at that list. Everyone looked at their own individual list as like, okay, now how does this qualify you to do the next thing? And I think that when we look at, when we, meaning you, when, when you yeah. look at everything that you've just listed out, and I know there's even more that you haven't list shared here, but when you look at all these things that you've been through to look at like, oh, like go build my own business. I mean, that's nothing compared to all these other things that I've already endured, some by choice, some not, but that all those things have absolutely qualified you to get to this. And even to your point earlier around everything that you had been through, giving you the strength to be qualified enough to sustain the level of care your husband needed after a surgery and to carry the weight of that for your family for months, that everything that you had endured up to that point qualified you for that. And now adding Brian's health care to that list is like, this is all qualified you to go start your own thing, to do your own thing. And 
recognizing the power in that I think is what allows you to actually go forth and keep doors open and stay optimistic and really grow something. Yeah, I think, you know, adding to that, like the hardships I've gone through, one of the things I want to make sure that we talk about, Sarah, is what it means to have a player versus victim yes. mentality. Yeah, yeah, tell us. And, you know, you you just mentioned some of these things that happened in my life. Some of them were choices and some of them were not. And I think life is, you know, a series of choices. We don't obviously choose to have the crap things happen to us. Of course, I wish I had a more safe and secure uh, childhood. I mean, I'd give anything to have my dad here and to know him as an adult and for him to know my children. You know, I wish Brian didn't have to go through that pain and to watch him have to endure what he did. I wish Hurricane Maria were a little tropical storm and it didn't <laughs> affect the people the way that it did. I obviously didn't have a choice in those things happening. There's so much I can't control. But what I can control is my reaction to those things and people. I can choose to be victimized by all that that had happened um, and ask, why is this happening to me? But why not me? Why shouldn't I? And why does it have to happen to somebody else? Or, you know, I can choose to have a player mentality and look at and see how is this serving me? You know, we talked a little bit about like this is the resilience part of what lessons do I have to learn here from these hidden gifts? I don't know. If you saw or read the interview with Stephen Colbert and Anderson Cooper. No. Do you remember that from earlier this year? Oh, no. gosh, you got to check this out. It was. An but interview. I love both of them. So. Yeah, it was an interview about grief. So Anderson Cooper's mom oh, had just right. died. And his story is his dad died when he was 10 and his brother committed suicide, I think, when he was 21. And Stephen Colbert lost his dad when he was 10 and two brothers in a plane crash. And so they were talking about grief and around these like profound experiences they had as young children. Stephen Colbert was quoted as saying, like, love the thing that I most wish had not happened. And what punishments of God are not gifts, which that actually was a J.R. Tolkien quote. But he's saying to the very essence of existing is a gift, but to exist means there's going to be suffering. And if you're grateful for your life, you have to be grateful for all of it. And, you know, I went on to say, like, in my life and in my work pursuit, I am very much my purpose is human connection. And it's suffering is that common bond that brings people together. It's really how humanity is manifested. And I think, you know, what helps me is to just remember too that life's impermanent, like, and not in the way that we're all going to die. One day, obviously, there's this great book, The Season, that was like the darkest and hardest for me. I shared three different women in my life recommended this book called Mm -hmm. When Things Fall Apart. Uh, Required, required reading for everybody, I think. But this woman talks about how life is challenging. Sometimes it's sweet and sometimes it's bitter. But when there's a big disappointment, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the story, but it it very much could be the beginning of a new adventure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that over the years, as I've seen you go through so many different things, and every time we get together, I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to catch me up on the newest thing that seems like it would massively overwhelm me in my life. And you always are doing it from this place of like, big smile on your face. Wait till I tell you it's been crazy. But here I am. Like, I've never seen you look or come across 
in a defeated kind of mindset or frame of mind. I'm sure you've had moments. This is not to say you haven't had moments, but that I've never seen you in a place of like, I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can do it. You always have this very strong sense. I mean, it's and to, to reframe it around what you said around player versus victim, that you're always leaning into that framework around like, I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to find the gifts. Yeah. And the power is in your choice, right? And happiness is a choice. Like even in that suffering where I can find the joy, I will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The little bits of magic. Yeah. So good. Okay. Oh my gosh. This has been so great. I so appreciate you being here. I want you to tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Oh man, we've talked about it a couple times now. It's really to learn to enforce those boundaries. I actually really appreciated your episode a couple weeks ago about self-care. Like I used to really be feel guilty about that and like waving the flag, like, hell yeah, it's selfish. I'm going to own that. But I need that because self-care is, it's not an indulgence or a luxury. It's a necessity. So yeah, just saying no to the wrong things and yes to the right things and saying yes to myself more. I love it. Yay. Okay. Can you tell people if someone wants to connect with you, if someone's thinking about moving to Puerto Rico in hurricane season (laughs) and they want to connect with you, do you have a place you want people to connect with you or do you want me to, do you want them to just come to me and I can hook them up? Oh, I think I'm on Twitter. It's Data Pake instead of Dana Pake. I used to work for a data company and thought that was so clever. I haven't changed it yet. (laughs) Uh, So it's D-A-T-A-P-A-K-E. And yeah, I think it's probably the best way. So okay. You could just DM me there. Perfect. All the people who are going to want to come hire you now that you have gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love well, it. Well, on that note, I guess LinkedIn is uh, just oh. my profile, Dana okay. Pake. Got it. Awesome. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for being here and for being yourself and sharing your stories. And I know that there's many, many shameless moms who can relate to different pieces of your story and are seeing threads of resilience in their own life that maybe they didn't previously see. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking